Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags, and uh, yes, with me today, my son, Carlos, Carlos, how are you? Well, not too bad, how's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Um, it, it's literally four o'clock in the morning. We've just finished watching uh, UFC uh, Vegas 9, UFC Apex 8, UFC uh, on ESPN 472, all the names that they keep giving these shows. Uh, it's basically UFC Fight Night over in versus Sakaar. Um, a very, uh, a very changed around card at the at the last minute uh, for for this. Uh, with the the fight with uh, Ricky Simone uh, getting cancelled because of his co uh, is a cornerman getting COVID, it kind of threw um, the whole card for a loop really. So instead of getting um, a prelim and uh, a main card as we would normally do, the UFC and ESPN have kind of made the decision to make the whole show a main card, uh, which means we would have uh, seven fights to go through. So in a kind of change to how we normally go about this on, on five rounds, uh, we're just going to basically talk about the three big fights on the card um, and and just quickly run through the rest uh uh, as as we would with the prelims. So uh, we start with the card with Hunter Azure picking up the decision in the bantamweights against Cole Smith. And then in the women's flyweights, we had Vivian Araujo um, picking up the decision against Montana De La Rosa in a very one-sided fight. A uh, lot of blood and guts in that fight. Then uh, uh, what we originally would have been the main card, we started with two first-round submissions. One first in the featherweight with Brian Keller uh, picking up his... Uh, his third win in in uh, 2020 out of four fights, and then uh, Andre Moon is uh, subbing uh, Bartosz Fabianski in the first round as well. Um, so going on to the uh, the three fights that we we are going to cover, uh, we started with uh, Michelle Pereira uh, 
he obviously has the is the very flamboyant uh flamboyant middleweight oh sorry welterweight has a just an over exuding amount of confidence and uh it's, it's it's almost comical because this is a guy who's lost 11 fights in his career he shouldn't have this amount of confidence but since since he really kind of like started to to uh, make waves in the ufc his confidence and his skills are kind of lining up a lot more. Uh, he took on Zelim Imadiev, and um, it was a very, very one-sided fight. Um, how this fight got out of the first round is is unreal, and it it, it can only go down to the showboating from Pereira. Uh, Pereira just he's got this lightning fast accuracy with his shots uh he, you just can't see him coming and and basically all the way through all three rounds he was just picking his shots off as and when uh immediate uh started off quite uh quite fresh and quite aggressive but once um once Pereira started landing those knees and I think they kind of shocked uh uh immediately um the first knee especially you can see how it it, it it knocked him back and he was kind of trying to shake it off trying to um act like the like like most ufc fighters do like it didn't affect him when it really did and that kind of give uh Pereira the momentum obviously we know that there was a lot of heat backstage there was some pushing and shoving in the weigh-ins so there was no love loss between these two fighters at all but it this was as one-sided a mauling you could you could really think of in 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 terms of UFC Pereira is just the shots where he, he's so dynamic and you can understand him being so confident because he knows he can land the shots we were it was a uh, a lot of showboating a lot of kind of putting the handcuffs on kind of like sticking his chin out uh and going through the fight he just it was picking apart Imadiev and you could see the each round there was more and more damage to Imadiev and um, it was just such a uh, an interesting fight to watch because it, it was like Pereira was toying with him pulling off the, the multiple short-time kicks, landing them without, without even a, a, a second thought, pulling off Superman punches, licking his own hand and, and showing Imadiev, I'm going to slap you with this hand, holding the hand out and then actually slapping the guy on more than one occasion. Um, like I said, this was it was a shock that this got out of the first round. It was even more of a shock that it got into a third round, and it was the the biggest shock of all was that it actually ended up getting finished. It, it looked like we were going to a decision, and with about twenty seconds to go, um, Pereira felt like he he had enough. He, uh, he he secured the takedown and and got the the rear naked. Now looking back on the on the uh, slow mo's. It doesn't actually look like Imadiev actually tapped. Uh, now, um, it, it has been given as a tap. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Tono, uh, Tognone has given it as a tap. I don't think it was. Uh, and I don't think the, the commentators kind of uh, thought that it was as well. But the fact remains is, even if he didn't tap, this guy got absolutely decimated. He's now what uh, lost his last three in the UFC after yeah. after a good start with uh, with two uh, picking up. Uh, oh no, he's lost his last three. That's all his UFC yeah, fights, isn't it? So it's very likely this guy's getting cut, uh, especially after being not only dominated but 
pretty much embarrassed by Pereira in this. He had he had nothing for Pereira to, to even be worried about. And it's going to be exciting to see where Pereira goes. Now, he's on a, a three-fight win streak after um, after not making the best, best impression in his first couple of matches. Uh, but, yeah, um, that's an interesting fight. And this guy is probably going somewhere. My only concern is, once you get to that higher echelon of fighters, if you come with this kind of showboating, you're going to get hurt. And with who he called out at the end of the fight in uh, Jorge Masvidal, you attempt to do handcuffs to Jorge Masvidal, this guy's going to sleep you. He's going to give uh, you a free piece. So, yeah. Um, what, do you, what did you think of the fight, Carlos? Midiev, uh, straight away, off the bat, he, even though he's got over 60 amateur boxing farts, he got out boxed and outstruck and outclassed on the feet through start to finish um, he didn't have no offence and he didn't have no range of attack that was scaring Pereira to back up mm-hmm. that's why what Med Pereira were doing all these flaunting all these showing off all his floor bones because um, he, he knew that there were no danger um, obviously I'm, I'm not calling him stupid he respected mm. the power of um of Imidiev but at the end of the day a prayer knew that his his speed he had on him his head movement he had on him his footwork he had on him the technique he had on him and not only the boxing the grappling is, and the ground game he had it he had it was better in every every department every department and his capoeira is a next level now a lot of people uh, can't use capoeira in their fighting style. Now this is one guy when, if he when he fights technically and he's clever about it, he can implement he can implement his his capoeira perfectly into the game. Um, like you said, he he pisses about a lot. So when he gets to these top level opponents, is if you're not Anderson Silva, if you're not um, Israel Adesanya. Like showing off can can get you, like you said, can get you seriously hurt, um, and especially against Masvidal if you try and do that stuff with him. Um, but Pereira, the stuff he were doing tonight, obviously you can't take it away from him. You, you can't go mad at him for for showing off. He he outclassed him and he have his own game mm-hmm. striking, um, and like not only that, he's he was well rounded. Uh, he, so like I say, you can't you can't blame the guy for sure, but and he was the better fighter and he proved it. Um, but going on to some of the stuff he was doing in the fight, where he was using his energy for absolutely nothing, like I counted four jumping knees, mm-hmm. four jumping knees, and I think he only landed one of them, and well, that was just the, a graze. I think the first like the first two he, he literally pulled out as soon as he threw him, so it almost looked like he just. Was jumping for no reason. Well, the reason. first time he did it, he got he basically got Superman fucking kicked, and he, he ended up landing on his ass. Uh, but yeah, so it's 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 stupid things like that in when you're using them outbursts of energy because it's not like Capoeira and these fighting styles are the easiest to go about. Them are a fast movement, high pace, and and big jumpy moves. Uh, so you're you're having to use a lot more of your muscles a lot more stamina, and it's there's a uh, a lot more movement in them sort of uh, 
in them sort of moves that he does. Yep, and um, he's huge at welterweight. Absolutely, he's huge. not the smallest guy. So, and I guarantee he he does cut to get down to welterweight, and he's no doubt about it. If that if he can uh, can stay at that weight and be consistent as he is, just tone it down a bit with the showboating, and I believe he's got a good uh, possibly a good shot in that division. But we are. We are talking about the welterweight division here, but the likes of Jose Masvidal, you like Nate Diaz, Colby Covington, mm-hmm. Robbie Lawler, who's who caught me from wrong, who's, who's back pretty soon, who's having a fight. Um, obviously, you've got your Tyrone Woodley, who's back hungrier than ever. Yeah, Usman. Yeah, Usman, uh, Gilbert uh, Burns. So it's we're talking about one of them divisions where it's not thin. There is talent in that division, there's big names in that division, and there's killers in that division. So that's one of them divisions that is the, one of the hardest in the UFC mm-hmm. to not only work your way into the top five, but to work your way to that title shot is pretty much impossible if you're not on an absolute tear like Gilbert Burns were before he got uh, his shot. And let's face it, the only reason he got his shot is because Tyrone Woodley was pissing about and he didn't take the he didn't take the fight. So I believe, my personal opinion, he could work his way up to fight for a title shot. He just for me, he's got that that f- it's just that mystique about him that that makes you wonder. He's dynamic. There's it? no two words about it. This guy is an exciting fighter to watch. For me, the issue is the showboating. Uh, as much as it will draw in casual fans and people are like kind of like bedazzled by it, it does look flashy. It does look cool when when you're able to kind of almost mock your opponent. But when you get to the likes of a, a Lola, you get to the likes of a Masvidal. You try that shit, and these guys will start you. So if Pereira is serious about wanting to be a big contender. He kind of needs to tone that down. I'm not saying get rid of it entirely because that's part of his character. Oh, yeah. That's part of why he's... That's, that's what's makes you people buy into him. That's yeah. what makes him silly. Tone fans. it down a little bit. Throw, get a little bit more... Um, I mean, it, and it may come naturally because he he doesn't have the respect for the fighters that he's got now because he believes he's so much better than him. I can f- understand that. But when you get into the likes of a, a Colby Covington as much as I don't like him you've got to respect him as a, as, a, as a fighter and if you try this kind of stuff against the likes of him you, you it's it's going to it's going to go very badly for you uh, so perhaps maybe if you are going to get a, a top 10 top 15 fighter cut the cut the, the play acting out concentrate on the fighting and, and you'll get there quicker I think yeah, definitely. But another thing about him, uh, he's he's not only is this fight were were full of emotion coming into it with the weigh-ins, them two pushing and shoving. Obviously, his last fight against um, Diego Sanchez, where he basically got he basically that's all face he got screwed over with a disqualification, mm-hmm. um, where Diego Sanchez was just being a pusser. So uh, I can understand he had some ill feelings towards the judges, the Athletic State Commission, probably towards the UFC itself. Uh, but yeah, you were able to come, put on a show, put on a performance that, like you said, uh, casuals will love. Uh, and I, I hope to God everyone who did tune into his fight did like it because, like I said to you, 
personally, I weren't his biggest fan. But after this fight, I like him that little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fighters like that that get new fight, that get new fans in. Um, it's fighters like this that make people want to watch him either succeed or people want to tune in to watch this cocky broad guy get his teeth kicked in. Yeah. And it's just one of them. And Dana White loves them sort of characters because it's just money in his eyes. And not only money, this guy could put on a show. If he can get put up against people who will just stand and trade with him, that will be a fun fight. What we haven't seen out of him is a lot of his um, ground game, if you will, against high-level opponents. I'm not talking about the I'd say the people who's not ranked in the UFC or his fights before the UFC. Um, but yeah, we can see that he can do it on the feet, but can he do it on the ground against your top-level wrestlers? Yeah, well, time will tell. Uh, but he's definitely making a, a big statement. Uh, and then going from that into the core main event, and these two fights couldn't be any different if they tried. Going from that, the the very fast-paced uh, um, kind of dynamic fight between uh, Pereira and, and uh, Imadiev, we went to uh, Ovid Sempra uh, dropping back down to light heavyweight after his kind of like ill-fated dalliance in, in the heavyweight division, uh, taking on Alonso Menifield, uh, who, he, the dude just looks like he's carved out of a piece of granite. He's just unreal. This guy's got muscles on muscles on muscles. I said to you, he's like heavyweight's inversion of fantasy guard. Yeah, exactly. And but that didn't fucking matter. No, absolutely not. Um... <laughs> In terms of, of comparing it to the fight before, and it is, it's not and day. This was a very slow paced fight. Uh, I, I made a comment to Carlos whilst we were watching this that it almost felt like St. Preux starts the fight tired because his, his moves almost feel very, very laboured. But the fact is, he's got a lot of power behind him. Um, uh, we start at the beginning with um, uh, Manifield trying to rush uh, St. Saint, Preux. Saint uh, but St. Preux, if there's one thing about him that he's excellent at, uh, outside the grappling, obviously, it's keeping his distance and being able to control an opponent from from uh, from that distance and not getting suckered into like a, a dirty boxing type of fight. And he did that a lot in this first round. He was able to control that distance. Um they, there was a bit of a clinching up against the fence where there was not a lot of work between the two guys and uh, uh, Herzog um, basically warned the guys for, for inactivity and then they, they broke away. Uh, Pryor just just did really well to 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 keep the distance. Uh, Manifield tried to mix it up uh, using uh, head kicks, but again, his head kicks seemed really very slow and laboured and, and uh, Ovins was, was able to easily block it. Um, there was a, a couple of combinations from both guys. Um, again, it, just going into the end of the round, it was uh, pro just keeping the front kicks going, keeping the leg kicks going, and uh, and basically stuffing Ma- uh, Manifeld's uh, really powerful and, and quick hands uh, we got to the very last few seconds of the round and, and Menefield did uh, land a few hard shots but it was a uh, it was probably not enough to win the round but it was a very very close round uh, in terms of uh, in terms of scoring but I did give the the first round to uh, Sempre coming out into the second and it started a lot of the same uh, Sempre very almost calm very like he wasn't phased at all he didn't have that kind of um 
that urgency to, to, to push the pace. You know, uh, he was just happy to keep uh, Menafield at bay with the kicks. Uh, Menafield did start um, start trying to push the pace a little bit more, and it actually ended up being to his to his disadvantage because the end comes when Menafield is pushing the pace and he's really trying to back uh, Saint Prior up. Um, Saint Prior almost gets a slip. Um, which which kind of give uh, Menafield the like the impetus to to maybe he was going to finish the fight really land some combinations, but Saint Pierre just avoids the shots and almost does a, a, a an Anderson Silva style ghost punch like on the back foot like stepping away lamps him with uh with with the left and just drops Menafield clean out now this guy was asleep fast asleep and walk off 50 grand thank you Dana Ovin Cyprio back in the winning column definitely um, his knockout was just like how Cyprio took the belt from uh, uh, the Doom mm-hmm. uh, where it was just literally on the back foot and the basically the phantom punch out of nowhere yep. uh, well done to him uh, a guy who Orvin Peru is not had the the easiest the, the last couple of years in the UFC. Couple of wins, couple of losses, not being able to keep it consistent. He went up to last fight went up to heavyweight. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But like me and you said, well, what like you said more than all. Um, at least he'd give it a try. At least it was just an experiment. He knew it worked for him. Time to go back down. Time to go back home. Uh, but like you said, there's still some stuff in his game. If he wants to be serious about making his, because mech- let's face it, this is his final run as well. This is not he's not going to get another mm-hmm. run after this uh, in the heavyweight in the light heavyweight division. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of stuff he needs to change about his game. One, like you said, he's starting out. He starts out sloppy. He he did get caught a couple of times in the exchanges in the first round and. Against a guy um, uh, like Manifield. I'm saying his name now. Manifield. Manifield. Uh, a guy like Manifield, once if he cracks you, yeah, that's, a, that's a scary situation to be in. Now, we know all the say Peru can take a punch. It, it took quite a few um, uh, Ben Rothwells uh, mm-hmm. when he went up to heavyweight. Um, and he were able to eat them on the chin and, and still be able to fight back. So... We know he can take punishment, uh, but it's not good being able to to keep taking that punishment and not being and not doing something about it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it all adds up. It all uh, over your career, the punishment does take a toll. Yeah, definitely. And the, one of his biggest problems is when I was watching, obviously the fight tonight, is he wasn't setting he, he wasn't setting his stuff up. Mm-hmm. That's why for me he was getting he was getting caught because uh, it was just a quick punch here, a quick kick here, a body uh, a body kick here, a body push kick here, well, his signature left body kick. Uh, but the one thing that he did find in the first round were just the straight right down the middle, and that he, he threw that a good three or four times. Uh, and I don't quote me if I'm wrong. I do not think he missed one. Um, but yeah. Going into the going into the second round, obviously found his confidence after the first round of being uh, of just picking uh, Manfield apart. Uh, going into the second round, I thought right, this is going to be it now. 
obviously Peru's just gonna just gonna go in there, gonna pick him apart and finish him off. God, how I wrong. Manafield came out and he he knew that he had to try and do something because he came out strong round one for thirty seconds. After thirty seconds, obviously Peru just just took it after that. Mm-hmm. So he knew he had to do something to get back into the judges' eyes. Um, comes into round two after finishing strong uh, in round one. Uh, personal opinion, I, I thought shit. Obviously Peru's fucked it here now. This is he's he's probably fucking one loss away from getting cut. Uh, but yeah, uh, Manafield started going forward and obviously Peru were able to just use his perfect timing and I'm, again, fat of like you and experience, he were able to backpedal on the foot, able for Manafield as soon as he were attacking and left himself open, as soon as Manafield went in forward with that leverage and brought that left hand of his own up and dropped his right hand, obviously Peru saw that basically phantom punch that we've seen Anderson Silva do a loads of times, that phantom left hand punch, got him on the chin and it was just nah, nah, that, that job were done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a good uh, kind of comeback to that division for Orbis Peru and, and uh, a comment that we were talking about uh, during the fight was, uh, was how excited he was to drop back down the weight knowing that... that uh, the title is up for grabs and knowing that there's a there's now no bones at the top of the tree and he could potentially work his way back into a, a title contention especially knowing the fact he's got a win over one of the title contenders coming up uh so yeah i think uh we we uh have, have, have said that bones leaving this division has really revitalized it and people are kind of moving and, and trying to position themselves in in almost like a game of chess to see who takes pot shots at the king uh so yeah it's an interesting time in that division and obviously Semper has done well there to to keep himself in the in the conversation definitely that's uh that belt is is up for grabs we know who the two people are fighting for it, Dominic Reyes and, and Jan Blakovic. Um, whoever wins that fight is going to be, in, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to be keeping hold of the belt for a long time. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to have a, a dominant champion like we have had for Bournes for years. And But that, that don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. I think Bournes leaving the division is the best thing that could have happened for the light heavyweight division in the 21st century. Uh, with all the other divisions now basically moving on from your Anderson Silva, your Dominic Cruz, Demetrius Johnson, your Cain Velasquez, all your basically your big name champions, your Joe Saint Pierre, none of these are champions anymore. So your legends are moving on, and you're getting your fresh talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, light heavyweight was always was was being that division where it sort of slipping, it sort of started getting into the dark ages because all these other divisions were revitalised all these fresh talent were coming through there were fresh faces but you still had bones in that division yeah, destroying everybody there, there was a, a ceiling there was definitely a ceiling and uh, you could get to maybe the second best in the world but you were always going to struggle you were to, always to, going to be second best yeah Whereas now Bones moving up to heavyweight, potentially, I mean, nothing's uh, fully set in stone yet, but uh, the potential of moving up to heavyweight revitalises not only the heavyweight division, 
but it also revitalizes the the lightweight division. So it's kind of a twofer. Uh, so it's gonna be exciting to see what what comes in in that division next. But let's go into the heavyweight division with this main event. Uh, Augusta Sakai's first ever main event fight, first ever five round fight for the UFC, taking on uh, Alistair Overeem, who's uh, who's really wanted to do a uh, one final push for UFC gold before he, he wraps up. Uh, and this was very much for me a fight of two halves. I felt that uh, Augustus Sakai come out looking really positive, really aggressive. Uh, I I enjoyed watching his com uh, his combinations when he when he had a uh, Overeem up against the cage. He did kind of uh, flaunt the rules a little bit when he was uh, grabbing the top of the cage to to kind of. Uh, overbear uh over him but when he was when he was throwing those combinations he was landing 10 15 unanswered shots now a lot of them obviously would have been would have been uh hitting the arms of over him but still when you're throwing that amount of shots you're doing some damage and uh, i think sakai had a very um after a, a, a very nervy start for both fighters i don't think they threw a shot in the first minute of a fight uh it, they eventually did kind of um, kind of start throwing, but it was not like the kind of all-out pace that we're used to in a, in a heavyweight fight. It was very stop-start, a lot of uh, little bursts of, of, of action, and then a lot of um, kind of backing off and, and, and kind of avoiding each other. Uh, in the first couple of rounds, I, I felt that Sakar took it for me uh, in both rounds because of the combinations. Over him, when he landed shots, he did hurt uh, Sakai a lot more, but he was only landing maybe one or two shots compared to um, to Sakai's 10 to 15 shots. So for me, just for the sake of volume, I felt that uh, over, uh, Sakai took the first round and uh, the, the almost definitely took the second round. He, he really kind of imposed his, his will on over him in that second round, really like... Uh, Got him against the fence a hell of a lot. Landed those combinations, and whilst he wasn't doing a lot of huge damage, he did he did uh, cause a, a, a hematoma on on uh, on Overeem's uh, temple, uh, a little bit of a mouse popping up just in front of the ear. But then we get to the third round, and it was um, it was almost like a changing of the guard. Overeem really kind of come out. I think he might have realised that that Sakar's shots weren't that powerful and if he could kind of like stem how many of them was was being thrown at him he still had a chance in this fight um and and he he kind of like upped his game now it's for for an overing fight he still wasn't quite the um it wasn't as as fast paced as we normally get with an overing fight uh but he, in the in the third he definitely started to switch up definitely started to to use that ground game a lot more which which won him the fight eventually uh once at once uh, over him had Sakai on the ground Sakai is very rudimentary when it comes to his ground game. He he wasn't able to to uh, not only get rid of uh, Overeem from from like standing over him and, and landing uh, the ground and pound, but he wasn't also able to kind of get that boost of energy that you need to get back to your feet. Uh, and that that is probably more to do with him being uh, being a heavyweight and being quite a big heavyweight. Uh, so at the end of the third round, it, uh, Sakai looked absolutely beat up. Uh, Overeem was landing shot after shot after shot, really cut him up. Going into the fourth round, and uh, Overeem knew that that he had this fight 
he had this fight done, uh, did exactly the same kind of thing. He, he, he weathered Sakai Stone with the combos, and when he had the opportunity, he, he went for the takedown. And then in this fourth round, that, that takedown, it lasted a hell of a lot longer than it did in the third round, and he was able to just dominate for those last two minutes, landing shot after shot. Those glancing elbows just looked absolutely disgusting. Like They, they looked like they could slash your face wide open. Uh, Sakai was able to kind of survive that by, just by the skin of his teeth um, and then going into into the fifth over him knew the game was up went straight for the takedown gets the single leg straight away gets in half guard just absolutely wails on uh, Sakai Sakai turtles ended up eating the hammer fist and, and Herb Dean waved it off it was a great fight Sakai really really impressed me um, but after, after that over him with a, a very very good victory especially going into the fight he was the underdog coming out of the second round I think the betting odds went to like uh, plus 400 for for uh, over him so he, he went to, from being a, a slight underdog to a massive underdog to, to coming out and picking up the victory it's a good victory for, for Alistair over him definitely the one good thing about Alistair, what he's shown in this part, is experience. Mm-hmm. Sakai in impressed me with his heart and his determination. And his cardio. I think his cardio in those first two rounds, because he's got a belly. Let's, let's, yeah, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not ripped and torn like over him is. This guy is... is He's got a he's got a go. He kind of he has like got a, the look of your everyday fight. He looks a, a lot like Mark Hunt. Yeah. Uh, but he has cardio. He had a, a, amazing cardio for at least those first two rounds. It it kind of did break down in the third when over him, like you said, his experience took over and he knew he was down on the card. He knew he had to up his game and that's that's what it were. He over him has levels, and I don't think Sakai quite has that just yet. Definitely. Uh, well, Sakar, like I'm saying, he his cardio's there. He he sh- he were able to show that even though he says that this were a, a five round fight, this was this was a four round fight. I thought the ref were going to stop it mm-hmm. at the end of the fourth round just for how fucked Sakar were. Yeah. And he, he knew exactly what was going to happen. It only went on for another twenty twenty six seconds or something like that in the in when it went into the fifth round before it got waved off. But the experience of um, over him he knew Sakai were going to come in swinging he knew it were a five round fight and he knew that if he went into a swinging uh, a slugfest with him in the early he knew that we were going to get knocked out he knew that Sakai would have took that fight uh, from the from the bell so he did the perfect thing he covered up he knew we were going to take damage but he did his best to not take as much damage and if he did his arms were taking more of the impact than anything still a dangerous way to do it but at the end of the day experience comes into it so Carr's problem when he was basically falling into Overeem's trap because Overeem wanted him to use all the energy Overeem wanted him to just start hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and he wasn't hitting him he wasn't he wasn't connecting with him he was he was hitting him on the arms um, and Overeem knew that so Overeem let him do that what Sakai would start doing in the third when he realised, hang on a minute, when you realise when he got when Overeem was trying to bait him in to the cage, he started slowing down on his punches. He started looking, hang on a minute, I can get one through that gap. I can get an uppercut here. 
oh hang on a minute, he's also got a body. I can hit him to ribs here, and that's what he did. Mm. He, he those, those those kicks to the the gut, you could tell they every single one of them affected Sakar. Yeah, every like every one of them uh, affected him, and that's how he knew. And I, he, his coaches should have helped him straight away. And I, it's a, I know it's easy for me now to say when the fight's done and over with. It's a, a, a hard job being a coach. It's a hard job being a fighter. The, the nerves he's got in there to be in, in your first main event uh, under a year. Um, I don't, I don't think that should be easy for anyone. I wouldn't expect it to be easy for anyone. Uh, but the experience now, what he can take out of this is for next time is, don't, don't just go in raging. It's your, it's your main event. It means a lot. You're starting to get up the ranks now. You, you, you've broken to the top ten. You. You can't just go in there thinking to myself, if I go in there, hold, ah, I'm going to knock him out. Mm. And I'm, you're not Francis Ngannou. And look at Francis Ngannou. When he got to the top, he quickly realised, hang on a minute, this this sort of fighting style don't work because I've just been tucked down, I've just been punched in the face about 50 times. There's fuck all I can do about it. So that's uh, the one thing, uh, the one thing that uh, I say needs to, needs to do is to go back uh, to the drawing board, take this this loss as a learning curve, slow his game down a bit because he's still young, he's only 30. Mm -hmm. And even though he hasn't beat big names, he's, he's, he's still beat a legend in um, Volk uh, not Volkanovska, um, I'll tweet it. But yeah, and then obviously he's been in there with, a, with a, a, another big name now with um, uh, Alistair Overeem. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so enough about him. Alistair Overeem, congratulations for the win. He were able to show the experience he needed and were able to get, take it all the way to the end. He, the perfect experience that he knew that Sakai was still stronger than him going into the fourth. So he knew, hang on a minute, I'm not going to knock this guy out on the feet. This guy can take a punch on the feet and he, he can clearly take some punishment. He's got heart. He level changed. He took him down. Now you got to give it to uh, Daniel Cormier when he was trying to give. He's like, it's not the correct technique, but if it works, it works. He's like, well, look at that works. That's <laughs> that's the correct technique now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were able to uh, somewhat a single leg and, and swing him like all the way around, if you would. Uh, and he were able to keep that position and land his land his own ground and pound. The bell saved uh, Saka. Um, he were able to come out for the fifth round straight away without even thinking over him knew at the end of round four what worked for him taking him down the grounding pound so there were no fucking about over him knew at the fifth round touch gloves take him down grounding pound it's going to be over at some point and that's exactly what happened took him down a couple of elbows later after attack hour a bloody mess fight got waved off Alistair over him is a man of his word and he's still on the hunt for that one last shot the gold yep he absolutely is uh, so next week's card I mean UFC just keeps coming with uh, with uh, these cards I mean the the Covid era if anything has made UFC more active uh, 
we we used to get maybe like three or four uh, shows in a row and then a week off. I don't think we've got a week off now till like the middle of November. Uh, but that's that's all well and good for us here at Five Rounds, uh, especially when it comes to next week when we'll have some uh, very exciting news for you uh, in, oh. in terms of uh, what's coming up for the podcast. Um, but yeah, next week's show, UFC Fight Night 177. There's only actually two confirmed fights for this card so far. Uh, oh, hang got, on a minute, who's, who's on that fight? We've got Michelle Watson versus Angela Hill uh, as as the main, and the co-main is uh, Billy Quarantillo taking on Carl Nelson. But there's a lot of rumoured fights, and just going through some of the rumoured fights, if, if we get any of these it's going to be a fun card we've got Roxanne Modafferi potentially taking on Andrea Lee Matt Schnell and Tarson Nam uh, Frank Camacho and Brock Weaver uh, Ro- Roosevelt Roberts and Matt Frivola uh, Bobby Green and Alan Patrick uh, Sajara Eubanks um, doing a very quick turnaround taking on uh, Julia Avila and Ed Herman against uh, Matt Rodriguez so if we get some of those fights on this card it's going to be another banger of a card um, so yeah tune in next week to to hear that um, but yeah you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos keep your eyes peeled on 5 Rounds Pod at, on, on Twitter for, for the latest uh, news in, in terms of, of the podcast and where we're taking it in, uh, in the rest of 2020 going into 2021 uh, thank you all for listening that is the end adios amigos TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.